Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today we have Jay, Jay Tienenbaum with AZP Capital. Jay uh, is one of a very talented investors, as I call it. And Jay has done multiple uh, ventures wherein he's done rentals, fix and flips, notes. Boy, the story goes on and on. So I appreciate you taking time, uh, Jay, to join the Premium Cashflow Podcast today. And I want to welcome you. Uh, you want to give a brief background, Jay, as to you know how you got started, where you at with your company now? Sure. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, so I started investing in real estate in 2013. Uh, I was a debt collection attorney for 20 years with my wife before that. Uh, so this would be investing, starting investing in uh, mortgage notes just became a different debt instrument. I'll tell people that I've been in debt all my life, just not personally, right? Right. Um, and so uh, I've bought almost 300 notes, properties uh, in 25, 26 different states since then. Um, really the only experience I had investing in real estate was just buying my own personal residence up till then. Right, right, right. And actually, it's, it's very interesting uh, there, Jay, that you bring in your experience of a debt collection, which actually is extremely valuable because, um, I mean, you know, you kind of understand the life cycle of, you know, when the bills are due, when it's, uh, you know, like dead late and when it is really crossing those uh, thresholds where, you know, it's going to collection and when you have to knock on the attorney and then obviously it gets into, you know, much default and, you know, places into collection. So I think your experience of being a debt collection uh, agent and, you know, different strategies that go around and, you know, sort of the negotiation that goes on is extremely valuable actually. And I'm sure you found that that experience was pretty much directly correlated to, you know, what you would want to uh, start uh, investing or, you know, recapturing your investments or uh, dead money from your tenants, I guess. Would you agree? Sure. Um, when I first started out, you know, people would have the conversation of, with my debt collection background, that I had an advantage sure. with regards to getting into this business. And I'll tell people that, no, I, I, I 
appreciate the compliment, but that's not what I, what I would agree with. I would suggest that everyone has a special skill, quality, experience, or expertise that makes investing, whatever that, that realm that you're going to do, um, you know, you bring to the table that particular expertise or such. Mine just happens to be debt collection. For example, those who, you know, this business does take a lot of the analytical component, right? Where you sit in front of a computer and analyze mm -hmm. things for hours on end. And quite frankly, I'm not wired to do that. I envy those who can do that. If you sit sure. in front of a computer for five minutes, the ADD kicks in and I'm out the door, <laughs> right? So that's someone else's skill set or experience or expertise that I envy but that I don't have. Now, what I do have certainly with the debt collection abilities is when we buy mortgage notes, we're buying, uh, we started out buying uh, occupied assets mm -hmm. with the idea of keeping the borrowers in the homes. And yes, sure. I can talk to borrowers in that realm and do very good with that with, and create the rapport. It's absolutely. not something I would suggest that you try at home. No, absolutely. I think you're one of the go-getter guys that, hey, let me get on the phone or uh, let's, let's go knock on doors and let's make deals happen. I think you're one of those optimistic go-getter guys who, you know, just can't sit on the, uh, you know, uh, on, on your computer and uh, kind of like, you know, that's just not your speciality, I guess. You know? <laughs> that's not, it's not, it's not my, it's not, I'm not wired for that. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Jay, with your experiences in notes, like how do you go about, uh, you know, educate uh, our listeners, like how do you go about analyzing a note and understand like, okay, is it a good investment, bad investment? Should we pass it and things like that? Can you maybe tell us like, what kind of, uh, you know, attributes you look for while you're evaluating the notes? Certainly. So first of all, there's no such thing for the most part as a bad note, just buying it, buying it at a bad price. So what sure. you really need to do is make sure that you're, you know, don't over, you don't have to overkill your diligence. You don't have to get, you know, paralysis by analysis, sure. um, but you have to be pretty systematic in what you're looking to accomplish mm -hmm. um, and develop your teams in your out-of-state markets. Mm -hmm. um, and past that, just have an understanding of what, of being resourceful to know that you've got essentially 11 exits to exit out of a note with, right? Wow. And be mm -hmm. available to say, I'm not going to be short-sighted or predisposed and say, I'm only going to look to exit out of this one ex in exit. I want to be able to say, what happens if I want to exit out of five or six different ones? And you build the... ROI calculators, ROI analysis to say, what does each exit look like? And mm -hmm. as long as you can see a size, you know, where you're in the black as far as the calculator spitting out the return, you should buy that asset. And, it, you know, instead of saying, oh, I, you know, if I can't buy it at 30 cents on the dollar, it's not worth it. Well, that's not necessarily true. It all depends on what you, what the available exits are for you. Exactly. And if, mm -hmm. and if the returns can, you know, you may, you may find out that you may reach a ceiling where, at X price, you can't generate a, a reasonableistic return in seven or eight of the of the exits available exits. Sure. So it's not a good price, not a good buy at that price, right? right? But if they still turn out, you know, you're buying something at 60, 70 cents on the dollar, which is a little high these days, mm -hmm. but it still may turn out a profit, a profit, right. um, a, a return that you're looking for in those exit strategies. Then why not buy it, right? And really, the whole key is you. A lot of sellers out there are selling assets that they've never worked through. It's just kind of selling it, reselling it as a commodity, right? Trying to flip it, trying to sure, wholesale sure, it. Sure, sure, mm sure. -hmm. And where we've been successful is we, like Star Trek, will take it where no one else has gone before. We mm -hmm. actually take the asset, actually talk to the borrowers, actually work through it, actually foreclose if we have to, and mm -hmm. actually create that, that 
essential value add such that you're creating a different outcome than what's gone on previous. Sure, sure. Sense. I think, yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, it's, it's, it's really nice that, uh, uh, I mean, you know, you can buy these notes at discounted price and further, I guess, as you said, that you work with the borrower and come up with, I guess, a payment plan, uh, if that's the word, right? Mm-hmm. So you come up with a payment plan and I think based on the discounted price that you would have bought your note at, I think your cash flow or the resultant cash flow as uh, whatever the uh, payment plan you came up with the borrower, I think that that cash flow could be significant, I would imagine. And when you start to collect a group of these notes, I, I can certainly correlate that uh, that cash flow must be very appealing, actually. Yes, it, it can. Now, let's, let's be realistic. There are several asset classes to buy in. You mm-hmm. buy what's, what's called your lower value asset, where the property that's secured by is, let's say, around $50,000 or less. Or you're buying in a in a higher class asset where the asset's worth seventy five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, in the lower class value, right, you'll do really really well. Your, your numerical returns will look extraordinary, but you're getting say three hundred dollar a month modification payments to where you're mm-hmm. getting three quarters of a grape. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're buying an asset that's if you're trying to modify an asset that's got you know worth seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars, your returns are going to be less, but you may be putting eight, $900 in your pocket. So you're getting what we call one quarter of a watermelon, right? <laughs> so it's just about, and it's a question, you know, of diversity of risk and minimization of risk, et cetera, like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if I bought a note for say 20 grand and a guy offers me $400 a month, you know, I, I, you know, in five minutes I can make a decision that I'll do it because my returns are fine, right? Absolutely. Um, and that's how, and you're right. And, and as you, and in that kind of space, that you can do really well at, it is still a question of volume. You need a lot of those notes to create uh, cash flow in the four to five figures, which we've done. I mean, I bought, I'm excited, I'm on 300 assets. Yep. I know from a debt collection practice, I know how to, what volume is about. I know how to manage volume. I like to manage volume. Wow, wow. And just a couple of few questions around it, Denjay. You said like having teams uh, around it to support, you know, any due diligence that goes with, you know, when you're analyzing the notes. Uh, can you maybe educate uh, us, our listeners as to like what elements you should look at in terms of like, okay, which teams you need around uh, when you're like, let's say purchasing it, like whether it's analyzing the note or looking at the property that, hey, whether it's not really a board up or a vacant uh, dead property, like, can you maybe describe as to like, what sort of like how your team goes by in terms of like what elements you need uh, for looking at these notes? Certainly. So understand that in this business, you can scale up pretty quickly by being the, having the ability to outsource a lot of your vendors. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing my diligence, like for example, I do some cursory diligence on the front end to make my indicative bid. But once my bid's accepted, and I have those assets in a contract. Then I go into what's what we call our paid diligence. And mm-hmm. that is I can outsource my title reports. I can sure. outsource my property tax and understanding where the link, if there's any delinquent taxes. Right. Um, I can outsource uh, either a, but what's best is if, for example, what we do, mm-hmm. we strive to buy occupied assets. I know other colleagues that not, will buy nothing but vacant assets because all they want to do is foreclose and turn them into rentals. Sure. I want to be able to talk to somebody. So mm-hmm. being the fact that trying to verify whether a property that note on the property is occupied or not is key to me. So mm-hmm. I will either engage a property preservation company who will go out there and, and, and do a really thorough look-see mm-hmm. or, and or your, your local realtor. 
right? Your realtors are key because not only are they establishing value for you, but they will verify the occupancy and the, and the, and the color of the neighborhood. And that's really who your team is built with. Now, if mm -hmm. you end up taking the property back, then you mm -hmm. add in your contractors and your property management people and vendors such as that. Right, right. So now in this business now, uh, Jay, that you're dealing with, you know, delinquent borrowers, right? So for example, if someone is behind on their house payment and, you know, has, uh, you know, gone deep down towards the foreclosure, do you, I mean, you know, I guess my fear or where I'm uh, going with this, Jay, is that have you ever like uh, thought that, hey, uh, you know, this borrower who is, you know, in such default, uh, would they have any other issues or lots of other delinquencies that perhaps may uh, you know, jeopardize your investment. Can you maybe share as to like, how do you reconcile those type of fears and you know, what elements we should be looking towards? In, Certainly. So we specialize in buying first position notes. We don't buy seconds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So obviously from the very beginning with the title reports, we can verify that our note is in first position. And mm -hmm. the only animal of the jungle that can beat us up is the delinquent pro property taxes. Sure. <laughs> Everybody else, all the other any mortgages, any liens, judgments, et cetera, are all junior to us. Right. And mm -hmm. if we do decide that we have to foreclose, all that stuff underneath us gets wiped out. Okay. But I gotta tell you that, you know, a couple, couple things come to mind. One is, I only, for the most part, foreclose on borrowers who have given every opportunity to work something out with me. And if they really can't get, get past their own, their own stuff, their mm -hmm. own, their own noise, then they get foreclosed on. Right? right. Number one. Number two, I also take the approach, unlike some other, uh, other investor friends of mine, where let's say the guy has been delinquent for three years. Mm -hmm. Well, some investors say, how dare you not pay your mortgage for three years to me? Hey, you haven't defaulted yet on my watch. I give you that opportunity to make it right now. Mm -hmm. With a, with, a, with a short time frame, but for the most part, it's I'm not going to really beat you up a whole lot over where you've been because you haven't uh -huh. defaulted on my watch yet, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, situations can change. Situations can change for the better at the time I buy it. Situations can change for the better why I'm in the process of foreclosing. I've done mm -hmm. plenty of deals where first phone call I made, the minute I bought it, I worked something out to where we resolve something short of the foreclosure sale. Interesting. It all, it all depends on the timing sometimes. Right, right. And I think it a lot has to do with market as well. Like, for example, in the 08, 09 era, like there's just so much credit crisis and there's just so many problems going on that if someone really even wanted to refi or, uh, you know, do a decent purchase, I mean, there was no credit available for even like a lot of good borrowers who were just getting chased out of the market. I mean, it was just like even the property appraisals at that time were not coming at the value you would want. And that was, that was really actually a very difficult time during those days. And also then, Jay, you um, moved on to do fix and flips and uh, done, you know, a lot of like rentals as well. Can you maybe share your experiences around like how you evolved uh, into like going into fix and flips uh, in terms of like you know, what sort of projects you have done? Certainly. So in 2014, when I started buying my assets, notes primarily through about uh, middle of, of 17, price, you know, the notes were available and I mean, so they're still available, but the pricing started to get a little higher. Sure. And mm -hmm. as we're analyzing things that were, where the sellers are wanting a little bit more for their assets than could make financial sense. You know, when I put them through our calculator, they just, the returns just weren't there. And coincidentally, we started cultivating relationships with um, banks and, and, and other, and other sources where we're actually starting to buy the property. 
So we basically sat down and said, well, instead of getting you know, trying to get beat up over, over trying to negotiate pricing that doesn't make sense on nodes. Mm -hmm. Here we're buying property. What's our exit? Well, our exit is still going to be the same core strength, the core value. We still want to generate cash flow. Right. So we were buying, starting buying property. Um, we were buying property with exits, fix and flips, rentals, seller finance, turnkey, uh, and, and lease options. Now, wow. even, mm -hmm. what, I, what I said was three out of those four exits are still generating cash flow. Just mm -hmm. the same as borrowing as, as a modif as a loan modification, correct? Sure. So, sure. and really, what what was driving the bus was our teams we built with our local realtors and contractors in our markets, mm -hmm. um, which we narrowed down to primarily uh, Ohio, Illinois, and, and as parts of Alabama. Sure. Um, strong cash flowing markets. Strong teams. Strong teams were built. Um, right. High rental demands in those areas, but right. really, we were able to ascertain the color of the neighborhood with our local teams, meaning, okay, this property is going to be built is, is next to an apartment building. It's not going to be a good flip. It'll be a good rental or vice versa. Right. Sure. I've got a, and I've got an investor buyer who will buy this flip for me the minute you finish it. So mm -hmm. out of buying about 40 plus properties in about a year and a half, mm -hmm. we did 10 fix and flips and we did the rest, all the other, and about 18 rentals um, and a variety of lease finance, lease purchases and uh, seller finance. And I that's see. kind of where, where we've been. Now, from there, we sat down at the end of last year and said, okay, we've done all four. What works? What doesn't work? Well, fortunately, knock on wood, all worked. But <laughs> we also found out that the rental side of it really became efficient. In our yeah. markets, um, we, there's such a high demand for rent, rentals that we are getting multiple applications, getting stuff rented up in a couple hours, and really getting that higher echelon type of tenant. Wow, really nice. So uh, speaking of rentals then, uh, Jay, like uh, how much, like what value you are buying and how much you are like uh, investing to fix up? Like what, what would you, describe me like, you know, like your typical project, like purchase price, how much you put into it, uh, your financing and like, you know, how much would that rent for typically? Sure. So we're buying things in the 50 to $110,000 range for the most uh -huh. part. Um, in our Illinois market, let's say we're buying it for, for $80,000, we're getting rents $1,400, $1,400. Wow. In mm -hmm. Alabama, we're probably closer to $50,000, $60,000 purchases. Our rents are eight, nine hundred bucks. I see, I see. Um, rehab, we've gone from buying things at 50 cents on the dollar and spending $20,000 in a rehab to buying things that are pretty much rent ready where we're putting $1,000 worth of rehab in them because we're already going to be able to generate that $1,300, $1,400 a month in cash flow. Right, right. In other words, I think uh, buying quality assets and reducing the time or the whole time uh, and the renovation time it takes to get it rent ready. So try to, uh, I guess, go towards your end product, which is your tenant, as fast as possible, I guess. Uh, is Correct. that right? <laughs> yes, yes. I think similar thing happened in our portfolio as well. Uh, here in, in our Baltimore area where, uh, you know, we have predominantly all our portfolio here. Uh, that's exactly what happened to us is that we went as quality, uh, buying as quality assets as possible. And of course, still doing the full renovation, but just having that uh, great area and those things enabled us to, you know, 
fast track, you know, finding our tenants, basically that, that, uh, you know, uh, does play into it. And also then Jay, you have done some joint ventures and some, you know, brought some uh, limited uh, partners as well. Can you describe your experience as to like, you know, how large those deals were, like how you structured it and, you know, what sort of investor appetite do you see currently in the marketplace for such things? Certainly. And that's been an evolving process as well. Um, sure. So pretty much it starts out with, you know, there's not a, we've figured out that a long time ago that it's not a one size fits all. Really, right. you having you're having a conversation with a potential investor, and you really need to know what their goals and objectives are. You really need to know, you know, what they're investing in now, what kind of returns they're generating now. Because, you know, if you can meet or beat what they're doing now, then you've got a potential, uh, uh, you know, opportunity, right? Sure. Um, so we've done a variety of, you know, joint ventures. You mm -hmm. know, we're, we're splitting equity 50-50. We've done. Um, we probably evolve more towards um, the uh, putting, uh, doing in, in cap, raising capital through debt, where the investor puts up the, the capital and is getting you know, secured by the, by the real estate in mm -hmm. first or second position and generating a monthly check. Um, and we found that, that you know, it wasn't so much strategies that made sense for us mm -hmm. versus the investor appetite. Investors saying, look, I, you know, the savvier investor wants to say, hey, my money, to be working for me has to stay working. It's one sure. thing to say, I want to deploy it for six months, but if I can't find something else to put it in for another month or two, I've lost money. So right. we've right. come, you know, so through, so our longer, you know, since we're buying things and focusing more on rentals, we're looking at say one to two year type arrangements where we could place your money provided, you know, a monthly check as a, as a debt, uh, as a loan. Um, and you're, now your money's working for you. And you don't have to worry about where it's going to be deployed chunk by chunk coming back. And it's yeah. not, again, it's not again how, what works for us. It's we figured out that that's what works for them because their money keeps, keeps always working. Sure, sure. And you move from, uh, perhaps you cycle this uh, similar funds from, you know, I guess deal A to deal B to deal C. Like, you exactly. Know, like, you know, we, 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 you know, knock on wood, we pride ourselves with ter terrific customer I mean, investor relations to where sure. um, our investors come back to us and say, if we get a fix and flip, we pay off, they want it rolled over into something else. If they come to, they've come to us and say, hey, I have additional monies to invest, even though they're already invested with it, something else. I want to put it into something else. What else do you have? And it's a constant process of saying, I've got deals or I've got money to deploy. And it's just almost times hard for, you know, challenge for me to say, I've got an investor who, who's got money to deploy. It's got to work for them. I got to find a home for it. Right. I know. Um, it's so a good problem to it's have. It's a good problem to have. It's a really um, good problem. And I'm blessed. And, I'm blessed and it starts with the fact that we, um, you know, provide pride ourselves in the relationships that we build with our investors and the opportunities that we can, that we can, uh, you know, create for them. Um, I agree with you. I think and, there's just so many things you have to do right and maintain your integrity to come to that level. And before, you know, like marketplace or people recognize that, hey, these guys are really ethical and, you know, do everything transparently that they want to like, you know, do more business with you. And I think it's, it's a great thing to have that, you know, when the same investors are saying that, hey, you, you know, keep my money, you know, go from deal one to deal two to deal three, right? That's a good problem to have. <laughs> right. And, and even in, in, the, in the very beginning, you know, I can show them, you know, you've, you've got a track record of 40 plus properties. You know what you're doing. Sure, sure. And actually at that price point also, I think the appetite or, you know, more and more people can participate and say that, hey, you know, this is something, uh, you know, something we can, uh, it's palatable for our investments as well. 
And of course, you know, as the price point gets higher, that's when, you know, it starts to stretch out, you know. So even, even so, and I'll, I'll tell you, you, you hit on, on something very important. And like I said, we have structured our programs, if you want to call them that, mm -hmm. to fit the investor ID. In fact, we've also been able to cater to the investor who says, hey, I may only have twenty dollars or $30,000, right? Mm -hmm. And back in the day, if I was buying notes and I'm buying lower value assets, that mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be enough because you wouldn't be able to invest in that lower value note space to where you would get a sufficient diversity of risk. It'd be really risky to buy that, that one asset for twenty grand that was worth $50,000 and only one asset. You want to sure. diversify your risk. So what yeah. we've been able to do is we create debt opportunities either in first position Mm -hmm. Or even second position, your twenty thousand dollars could be supportive of a, of in second position on the same property, and make a good you know a sufficient return where you're going to have a more challenge of finding where can I place twenty grand or thirty grand in an area that makes sense, right? Interesting, interesting. And did you also say that Jay that sometimes in these deals you really don't have any debt like a traditional bank financing involved? It's it's all investor and your money that you guys are. Uh, kind of like recycling uh, that is, is in, there any debt in, component in, from in, the, in the note space there it was it's all private capital there was no institutional money okay um, mm -hmm. on the when we started buying properties we actually developed a, a strong relationship with a local hedge fund out here in Arizona mm -hmm. um, that was financing our acquisitions mm -hmm. um, and then they evolved and said hey they came to us and said we want to start throwing rehab money at you as well and so we started doing some of our fix and flips on our own in the beginning, when we would get the acquisition from them, when we've determined which exit we were going to go towards, we would then went out and raise private capital to replace them, right? Then we started doing fix and flips just with their money because we had the ability to do that. And if we we're still going to go long-term on the lease options, rentals, um, or seller finance, we brought in a, a joint venture partner. Um, now we're doing a little bit of both. We may buy the property with, with the acquisition hedge fund and then replace it with a JV partner or find the, the JV partner in the beginning. Um, to raise the capital to, to do the purchase. It all depends on timing. Sure, sure, sure. I think market has a lot to do with, you know, what inventory is available and, you know, uh, so yeah, that, that makes sense. So uh, Jay, like what, what sort of like good advice you have seen over the years or, you know, you got many good advice, uh, you know, in your career so far, as far as investing is concerned. Um, the advice that I would impart is several fold. One is be resourceful. Right, the markets will shift, and not necessarily, you know, when you say market shifts, it was oh, the market went went down, and I lost my my assets. So the market shifts, right? When notes started, pricing of notes started going higher. We just evolved into something different, right? We were able, resourceful, and nimble enough to do that, right? Um, so you want to be resourceful. You can't prejudge where you're going to go, um, and surround you. And in, in, in the beginning. It, ah, you have to surround yourself with others that have done this before, because really to go out there and, and be the Lone Ranger, it's where you get yourself in trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing I want to add there also is that being resourceful requires a lot of learning. Like as you shift and move into different places, I think the ability to network with people and learn different concepts, I think there's a bit bit of tangent to uh, are involved as well. And I love that. As you said that I, I always say this, that, being resourceful sometimes is more important than, you know, just the resources in general, you know? So it's, it's right. all about, I would, you know, I would like, definitely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about like, you know, Hey, who, you know, they can share that. Okay. What to do, 
you know so it, and it goes like you know for example in my world i always go back uh, i mean i never have an issue with finding uh, you know like contractors or different trademen and things like that because one of my key uh, over the years has been is that hey if i'm finding an electrician he sure knows that who could be the framer who has mm-hmm. done the framing well, next to him or before you or he could be working right next to a great plumber you know right right so i have like continuously traversed that network that like if i know somebody new i want to know whom he knows so that my network grows and i guess over the years it just so happened that you know i never run out of people and you know i'm constantly giving references to my other investors and in things like that in general so and the, the only caveat the only caveat to that is sometimes you kiss a few frogs trying to find the right the right oh, yeah, that, that happens, but, yes. but but it, but it happens right yes, it's the yes, nature yes. Of, the, of the business that happens and and i think you come to a point uh, where you know you say that hey you know you start to see those telltale signs that hey someone's not responsive or he's not like you know uh diligent enough to do the work and they somehow wait away and you know you come to a point where you say that hey you just have so much work that you really don't sometimes have time to deal with inefficient or sometimes you know like really scrupulous people that will just try to take advantage of you and you kind of evolve and you move on and i think you come to a stage where i think your team is like that solid and you're not like you know changing too many things <laughs> Correct. So, do you want to share with our listeners like how they can get in touch with, with you and your company and everything? Certainly. So again, I'm with AZP Capital. Our website is you know www.azpcapital. That's in like Adam Zebra Paul Capital dot com. My email is jay at azpcapital dot com, and my cell phone, which I dutifully answer, uh, <laughs> is seven one four four five eight six three one seven. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate all that, and I appreciate your expert advice today. It's been a pleasure having you, and I look forward to uh, you know uh, hearing from you and doing great things. Okay. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cash Flow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow dot com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Thanks for listening to Premium Cash Flow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.